eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Lutz from 60! To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again! And guess who? Mike Thomas! Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And kind of some interesting tidbits to get to today. We have some... NFL player team report cards uh, checking out those graves some interesting things really came up there I thought with the Saints and also other teams uh, also more Derek Carr watch and we had Alvin Kamara getting his trial set today so Jeff while combine you would think be taking up most of the headlines there's still some other uh, little Saints tidbits that are that are taking up some of our attention yeah, and we we did talk a good bit about the combine in the last episode. So if you if you want to go back to that, we broke down a lot of the tight end position, running back, quarterback, that sort of thing. Um, and the combine technically starts today in terms of the on field workouts. So you know, rather than kind of just rehash what we talked about without any real results from what's going on, we're gonna get into some different stuff, stuff that's going on at the combine, but isn't technically combine related. And then Monday and Tuesday's episode, we're gonna come back and dive a lot more into the combine itself we're going to talk to justin Mello from the draft network tomorrow on the show and we'll bring that into the podcast on tuesday the post on tuesday um but first things first we do want to talk about what happened with alvin Kamara today which is he was in court it is march 2nd that's when the date that he was supposed to be in court was and it actually happened for the first seemingly first time whereas this case has been pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed Finally, he, Chris Lammons, and the other two co-defendants were in court in Las Vegas today and entered their pleas. They both pleaded, all four of them pleaded not guilty. And the trial itself 
will now occur on July 31st, which if anyone following knows anything about the month of July, that's when training camp starts late in the month. So it's going to be something that takes up a good chunk of camp, assuming it goes to trial and there isn't some sort of deal met prior, which I think is probably the goal if you're Alvin Kamara's legal team is now that it is clear that the indictment came down, the charges will not be dismissed, that you are kind of in blitz mode, pardon the pun, trying to get a deal struck with, with this with this now. And uh, I think what happened in court today, which I'll explain in a second, is a good indicator of that. But it, it is going to be something that we continue to talk about over the next several months. Yeah, just that was the immediate thing to me. Obviously, nothing really huge and groundbreaking today <clears throat> out of Vegas with Camara. But the fact that that date, when, when the date was set, and it's just like, man, that's smack dab at the start of training camp or at the, you know, the, a couple, a week or two into training camp. Yeah, it's just a sad reminder this isn't going anywhere anytime quickly and that we're going to be in, inundated with more Camara talk coming up uh, leading into the season. And you got to figure, though, that some kind of punishment has to come down, you would imagine, during this regular season after missing it last year. Well, we'll see. We'll see how long it drags out. I imagine it will. One thing to know about the court rules in Las Vegas, and every municipality has their own rules as it pertains to media access. In Las Vegas, which I learned today, video cameras are allowed. It's not something that can happen in New Orleans. You know, if you recall, like the Will Smith case, it was a lot of, you know, reporting coming out of it and and quotes and stuff like that. But there was no video because video cameras are not allowed. Well, in Las Vegas, as I learned today, that is not the case. So we will be able to kind of follow along with this case as it happens. And I think that will be helpful so that there's not as much speculation going on. Like you don't have to infer tone. If you want to f- watch it, you can go watch it. Um, and I did tweet out a link to, to today's process, which is only about eight minutes long. But one thing that happened was you have a right to quote unquote a speedy trial and a date within 60 days of that arraignment if you so choose. They actually waived that. So it could have been earlier, right? And so they asked for a date in July. The only date available in July was July 31st. One of his attorneys asked for an earlier July date, and they said they didn't have one, but they could have got it on June 19th. They They said no. And so to me, that indicates that there is kind of a needle they're trying to thread here. And it was, okay, we want the maximum amount of time possible to try to figure out a plea deal or in like, a, like an out-of-court agreement, but also not necessarily impact the offseason for Kamara and, and, and Lamons as much as possible. That was, that was not able to be done because they could have, if they just wanted to avoid the training camp issue, which is just going to be an inconvenience for everybody, they could have done it June 19th. They chose not to. So like the maximum amount of time was more important to them than, you know, getting it done early July. But I think that does indicate that they feel like they can get something done because whether it was early July or late July, the fact that they felt like an early July date would have been better to me indicates that they feel like they can get something done prior to that before training camp and they would just have to go and kind of sort it out there. Anyway, I thought that was interesting because they had the option to not have it happen during training camp and they chose to have it happen during training camp. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too just because like you, you mentioned, you had the June date available, 
but you opted not to go with that. To me, you know, we hear it all the time, whether it's contracts or it's going to be negotiations here, trying to get some kind of settlement, uh, you know, deadlines force decisions. So I would think if something was, you know, for the June date that they could have come up with something, a package to get settlement there instead of having more to wait towards closer to training camp because, yeah, I just know it's going to be more of, you know, getting shut out from talking to Alvin Kamara because he doesn't want to talk about the ongoing situation kind of thing. I mean, I don't know if he'll even be there. This is going to be a process that, you know, when, when does training camp start? July 27th, 28th, right? Like the, the final week of July in most cases. So, so like, there's a – I wouldn't be surprised if he is not at camp for the first several weeks – as this gets sorted out, because I don't think he's going to want to show up and then go out to Vegas. And like, this is a multi-day process. He's probably going to be staying there. So like, I don't even know if it's going to be an option of him avoiding us. He might not just, just not be there. When we'll probably be avoided is during, if he shows up at minicamp or OTAs or anything like that, like mandatory minicamp is in June. And so he's supposed to be there. He was there this year and did not talk to us. So I, you're right. I feel like we will get more of that. But at the same time, it's like, because the rules in Vegas allow such an open courtroom setting, we won't have to ask those questions to get the answers. We'll, we'll know them. And I think that's going to be very helpful in this process. But we'll see. Either way, that is a that is a big step in this situation. And it does leave questions to be answered of, like, the Saints are in Indianapolis right now. How close are they looking at running backs? Leonard Fournette was cut. We can get into that in a little bit. Is he an option to bring in as a veteran to kind of fill that void. But first, I do want to get into the Derek Carr watch. I don't know if it's an update, but the Saints did meet with him again in law in Indianapolis. It sounds very much like they have made their decision. They want to sign him. And probably the only question remaining is, does he choose them? But it, it's, it, it is interesting. And I, I, it's hard for me to believe the Panthers are an option, but the Jets are the biggest question, in my opinion. I think the Panthers might be just getting involved to sniff around, get familiar with the quarterback, obviously, that they could be facing twice a year. But to me right now, it kind of feels like Carr's waiting on the Jets' decision with Favre, and the Saints are just waiting now to hear what Carr— Did you say Favre? I'm sorry, far. I said far. Yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I apologize. I mean, wow. Really, space brain right there. Which is funny though, because yeah, obviously Favre did go to the Jets. <laughs> it's like the decade. Like last episode, you mixed up Sam Bradford and Matt Stafford, and that I can understand. They're two first round picks. They're they're not that different. They're pretty close together. Brett Favre has been retired for more than a decade. <laughs> Yeah, I started thinking that Green Bay Jets connection. Yeah, I, I completely spaced out about the man in the darkness, Aaron Rodgers. That is fair. He did play for the Packers and the Jets, and they are now talking about that pipeline again. Anyway, uh, that is too funny. But yeah. I, but yeah, yeah, it just seems like obviously we're waiting on the Jets to find out any kind of new dealings with Rodgers, if he's willing to be traded from Green Bay, if he wants out, if, if he's forcing his his hand over there and then if he's not then they'll turn to Derek Carr where to me the Saints have like we you said early on they've made it pretty clear now you're our guy we want to move on with you right now let's get this done yeah I mean I'm not even sure if they are actually planning for an eventuality where they don't get Derek Carr 
and <laughs> that in itself is significant. Like they, I think they believe they're going to get him. And to me, it's not even a question of whether the Jets get in the game. It's a question of where does Derek Carr choose? I almost called him Derek Char. Um, Derek, Derek Carazard. Derek Charizard. Because, yes, the Jets probably could offer more money. If I'm the Saints, I don't know if I can match whatever offer the Jets are going to put out there, but I do think I can sell New Orleans and the Saints a bit better than I can sell the Jets as a franchise for a veteran quarterback to show up and be successful, right? Like the Jets, they have a good roster. There's no denying they have a good roster, but they have no track record of being successful with that roster. Zero, none. Don't even start. Like the first, what, seven games of this season, they were they were good, and they still missed the playoffs easily. This is not a roster that you look at and you're like, man, I can see an immediate path to success there, and that's what Derek Carr should be looking for at this point in his career. He's 31. He's not 27. He can't afford to show up and sit through another two-season rebuild on a team because they think they have the pieces, but they don't know how to win. And so to me, that's, it, that's why I think Derek Carr will ultimately come here and it's just going to be a matter of the Saints give, putting a number out there that he will accept. Because, I mean, let's face like he's been in the league for a decade. I don't think a couple million dollars a year is going to be the difference in terms of, I, I want to go there for $32 million, but they're offering me 34 And it's not as good of a situation, but I'm, I, I'm that desperate for an extra $2 million on my $140 million contract, right? Like, that doesn't seem like it should be the equation. And I don't think from what we've heard from Derek Carr that it will be. No, and to me, that's going to be one of the factors that's going to be interesting to see what happens in the end, too, just because, honestly, even if you throw the Panthers in the, into the mix, what's the best situation for him to win? And right. to, to me, both obviously reside in the NFC South because we know how terrible the, the division you know was last year. You already have you know Tom Terrific made his exodus. Uh, there's questions about quarterback up and down with every team and right Derek Carr coming in is that solid established veteran that all of a sudden now you look at the Saints as the favorite just because they had that trigger man yeah I mean one of the reasons that Tom Brady was able to be so prolific for so long and so consistent was that the AFC East was just a clown show for the majority of his career now the AFC East is actually not that right? Like you have the Bills who are going to be a Super Bowl contender every season as long as Josh Allen is there. The Patriots, while they are kind of getting in their own way, are still a competent franchise and it's just a matter of getting their quarterback situation figured out. And then the Dolphins who, you know, if Tua can stay on the field, which that's obviously a big question, they're still a very good roster. They have probably the best wide receiver core in the NFL, or at least they have an argument for it. So like you would be going to a division with a murderer's row of teams, right? So, like, even if you felt like the Jets roster was good enough to win, you might be setting yourself up for a very frustrating three years in terms of, like, you might go 10-6 and six and, and be third place in your division, right? Like, look at the Giants in the NFC East. So, that alone is it might be a reason to want to be in the NFC, a much easier road. And then it's just like, okay, if I'm picking between the Panthers and the Saints, that's a much easier choice because I don't think the Panthers are built to win right now. So... Yeah, I, I think that's that's a very good um, point to be made of like at the NFC South itself being as weak as it is. That's probably a selling point like we can like there is an easy path to be shown that if like 
Derek Carr signs with the Saints, suddenly they are the betting favorite <laughs> in the division. And obviously the Falcons could go out and get a Lamar Jackson, right? Who knows? Right, but for right now, right. The Panthers could maybe go trade for Aaron Rodgers or something. I don't know. Sign Jimmy Garoppolo, and then they are more a more competent franchise. But, like, the Bucks are going to start Kyle Trask if you believe him. So, like, you know, it's right there. It's there for the taking. And that, that's what I would be arguing to Derek Carr. And I, I imagine that's what the Saints are arguing to Derek Carr. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I did think, I don't know if we want to get into it here, but the fact that if the Saints were to miss out on a Derek Carr, another option that has been mentioned then is suddenly Baker Mayfield, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, so I mean, if we want to get into this quickly before we move on, like what would be the option after Derek Carr? I don't know if the Saints are even actively pursuing plans for that right now. No, I would think they're definitely focused on we're going to get they're, – they're that type of – attitude where we're going to get our guy no matter what yeah like last year it was Deshaun Watson they were all in on Deshaun Watson then they didn't get him and they had to pivot and they just brought back Jameis which clearly based on what happened you can infer that that was not their ideal scenario right like they can say whatever they want but then they benched him so like clearly there was not, not as much belief there as they might have led you to believe but here we are again and as I said last episode I think if you do miss out on Derek Carr that one year bridge with Jameis still under contract should be very much on the table. You know, it's just a question of whether Dennis Allen, Pete Carmichael believe that's that's where they should go, and you would go from there. The other options, Andy Dalton, obviously. I don't know what you would have to pay him. Probably another one-year deal, $8 million, and you're, you're through the door. Because if you are signing him, it would be to be the starter, and you are not signing a starting quarterback for the amount you signed Andy Dalton last year. Yeah, Andy might say, you know what, if you want me to come back, I need something in my contract that says if I end up in the end starting X amount of games, I get this kind of bonus kind of uh, deal because honest to goodness, if you look at the numbers and production, he was a steal last year for for quarterback in, you know, in the market. Yeah, it is kind of funny because the Saints are in the salary cap situation they're in and they paid almost nothing at the quarterback position. And that's like unheard of in the NFL. Uh, to be in a bad salary cap position with no money put like going to the quarterback. But yeah, so beyond that, Baker Mayfield again. And then Jimmy Garoppolo probably. You you could potentially make a massive trade for Lamar Jackson. It's tough to I think it's tough to justify that, but it's on there. I think if in with all those scenarios, I would put the most likely being Baker. Because of the amount you can bring him in at if if not if not Carr, you're saying, right? I think most likely, right? Like last episode, I talked extensively about how I can see Jameis being an option, and I believe that. But the most likely option is probably Baker because you can bring him in at a really low number, and he has just enough upside that you can fool yourself into thinking that it's a win-now move and you still have a chance and you are not just punting uh, your chance to win the division. And I think much like Marcus Mariota last year, I think Bobby made this point on Sports Talk yesterday is – Signing Baker and drafting a Hendon Hooker would be almost identical to what the Falcons did last year in starting Mariota uh, and drafting Desmond Ritter. Because the Falcons weren't tanking until they were out of contention, right? And I think that's what the Saints would do. That's a question too, though. Now, 
you look at then that bridge guy. Okay, the Saints are going to move forward. If I was trying to choose a bridge, it would have like. It, would you rather have Baker as the bridge, or do you go back to Andy Dalton kind of thing? Well, right. If if I had to pick one or the like, if I was picking a guy to be a bridge, I, I personally I'd go with Jameis. Knowing what I know about the Saints, they probably would go with with someone else. And if I was picking between Dalton and Baker, it would be Baker, just because like. He at least gives you some optimism, right? Like you can you can make the argument that he played pretty well for the Rams down the stretch last year. He was a number one overall pick, still young. Maybe, you know, he gets to a new franchise and he is kind of a more mature player and you get the Baker that everyone or that the Browns thought they were drafting, not the one that they got. And so like that's that's probably where I'd go, knowing that you are still not heavily invested and at a certain point in the season, you could go to a younger, a young developing quarterback if you needed to. And so that's where I would go. But you, I think, I think there's more upside in actually the Baker bridge. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, it's weird. Cause they are just every year they're trying to thread that needle. And so they're never going to make a decision based on like, this is the cheapest option. So it's what we're going to go with it. You have to be able to sell it beyond that. And so that's where I kind of land on Baker. A thing too, with the quarterback situation, I think we're kind of in agreement too, that we could see, Jameis Winston as that guy who knows it sure doesn't seem like the Saints have viewed him that way obviously from last year it doesn't seem likely they'll hold on to him but he is under contract right now but a, a question to me too is does if you're like Taysom Hill are you like raising your hand going hey guys can can I have a go at it again or is it kind of after last season basically you are we this is who you are to us you're not you're not that starting caliber quarterback guy but we do you want you in the rpo option stuff yeah it's tough i i I don't see them going to Taysom hill mainly because it like his role in the offense worked like he he had double digit touchdowns you know he he ran for a career high he he he, you know like it, it was a successful part of the offense and for the same reason that it worked in 2017 it worked in 2022 so like could you get even more production though with Jameis running I mean with Jameis no with Taysom running the whole whole show over Andy no you couldn't because the whole reason it worked is because it's a change up is because it's not your your primary offense right like if if you are you all you had to do was spend all week trying to figure out how to stop that offense you could stop that offense some teams are really good at stopping that offense and then you would be dead in the water like the, the Fran- San Francisco completely just knocked it dead like it was not going to work and you had to figure out something else so I don't see it like you brought back Pete Carmichael for a reason and that reason isn't to change the entire way you were running your offense right like so I think the the goal with him will be to maybe increase his role and if you bring in a Baker you can do that if you bring in Derek Carr that's the question to me is how much can you use Taysom when you bring in a $32 million quarterback and he's going to have some say in like, no, I don't want to come off the field eight times a game, 10 times a game. That's not what I want to do. Uh, maybe he will be amenable to it. But, you know, I think that's a that's an interesting question to be asked because when you are on the bottom end of the spectrum, of the quarterback spectrum in terms of value, they don't really have much say. Like they do what they're told. You know, when you have the the premium quarterback and you have to you have to abide by it. And like Breeze, you kind of like, worked into it it wasn't like a he walked into a situation and you told him just so you know 
every like third first down you're coming off the field <laughs> you know like uh, i don't know but shoot by the end of you know his run drew was ready to be like yeah go ahead take me off yeah right and it didn't start until he was like 38 right exactly he's like sure i'll take a breather yeah i'll stand on the side and pretend to catch a pass you know before we end this segment i did want to play this bite from jeremy fowler he kind of got into like the latest of like where everything stands with with Derek, um, and it was, this was on a yeah talking to the the New York Jets website. Like if you were talking to the New Orleans Saints com, right? If your car's camp, if you're Derek Carr, are the Jets your number one target? I don't know that for sure. What I know is that well, I know that the meeting that he had with the Jets went really well. There's a good vibe there. Um, I, I certainly think there was interest. Uh, what I know is that fit is really important to him. Winning is really important to him, and. Uh, you know, there, I've even talked to some teams who wonder if Carr wants to go to the NFC just because it's a little bit of an easier path, less of a, a quarterback pantheon, mm. so to speak. You don't have uh, Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, Josh Allen, all those guys. Might be a, a path of least resistance to win. Um, so that would bring Carolina into the mix because they have a talented roster, you know, if they want to go that route. Um, you know, Saints, it's my understanding that they want to get something done with Derek Carr, like mm. that they're ready to do that. So he has options. It's just... I get the sense that, you know, he's just sort of waiting it out patiently so that that second team can get heavily involved along with the Saints and then you have more leverage. So it, it kind of helps him to wait a little bit in that way. They're ready to do yeah. that. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing you said there that's definitely true is like I don't think this is going to wrap up in Indianapolis. I would be very surprised if the Saints are able to hammer out a deal with Derek Carr before the combine wraps up and then everyone goes back because, and this is, this is a very important point. Derek Carr's agent wants to get the maximum money available. So like he's going to play, even if Derek Carr says, I'm want to go to the saints, whatever they offer, that's the top deal that I'm going to take. He's not going to tell the saints that like, that's not going to be how this negotiation plays out. He's going to try to get the best deal. And keep in mind, he was able to get a huge deal from the Raiders, a team that shouldn't have been that incentivized to give him a no trade clause and $40 million a season. He was able to hammer that out. And so like, this is a pretty good agent in terms of uh, making that money. And I think if you are trying to get the maximum offer available, you send the saints home and make them sweat. And I think that's, that's, that's going to be the gamesmanship going on. Um, but I do feel pretty comfortable at this point that the Saints are in a good position as it pertains to signing Derek Carr, and it's just a matter of time. But I would be surprised if it's not wrapped up by, you know, this time next week maybe, like mid-next week, because I don't think he wants to get get lumped in with the rest of the free agents. I think he wants to get his situation sorted out first. I, I love the fact that, too, his brother, you know, David Carr on the NFL Network experienced obviously since he is the older brother and uh took some i guess great cues from the agent saying oh yeah derek's in no hurry he's gonna take his time with this entire process and yeah i would imagine too like you said even if cars even after this week at the combine like all right we talked to whoever this is i want to go to new orleans or it's even the jets you, you still make them sweat a little bit to to drive out the price tag as as much as you can David Carr also seems like a fan of the Jets, which is weird because he played for the Giants, but uh, he he was wearing a green tie. Like, there's no way that's a like when he was he was talking about the situation. It was like you chose to wear a like a very specific color green tie, which is like the Jets color. It wasn't like sea green. It wasn't like the green that Steve's wearing. It was like J E T S Jets 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 green. 
Um, he might as well have been wearing a Jets logo as he went out there and talked about how great the Jets are. So I don't know. Yeah, I, there was one interview before Sean got dealt to Denver when he was on Fox that he did have an orange tie. And somebody asked him, was that kind of like a foreshadowing thing? And he said, absolutely. So who knows? Maybe David Carr's pulling this off. Yeah, that is a good question of like three teams doesn't seem like the optimal number for for Derek. I think if for a guy to be that confident to veto a trade and just sacrifice 40 million guaranteed, I think he probably expected more teams to be involved. So maybe there was a team that might have been on the on the market. <laughs> I, you could come you could come close with Washington and I've been wondering where the heck they're doing. Yeah, that's true. Washington is, is an interesting one, but they seem dedicated to Sam Howell. They did cut Carson Wentz. So yeah, maybe maybe that's what it was. But as we're gonna get into in the in the next segment, Washington didn't fare so well on their report card. They might be going to summer school. Um, and there's a few other teams. Although surprisingly, a champion got bad grades too. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, the the teams that got real bad grades are interesting. Are honestly more interesting than the teams that got good grades because a lot of teams got good grades. The Saints training staff got an A minus, which sounds good. And then you're like, oh wait, they were tied for fifteenth. That doesn't seem to add up. But uh, yeah, so we're going to get into more of that. Uh, anything else you want to add before we close out here? No, just hoping that can get done with Car Watch, obviously, just because uh, there's a lot more other stuff to focus on. <laughs> no doubt. Green tie conspiracy theory is real. <laughs> I agree. That's not something that is not something that you do by accident. Like even like I don't I'm not going on national television, but I come on these live streams and I think like, man, what color should I like I don't want to wear red on Alabama game day and like I don't want to you know what I mean? Like I think about that. Derek Carr or David Carr definitely thinks about that. He has every color tie. <laughs> you know? I have 3. I have 3 ties. I own 3 ties. You could just lie and pull the Anthony Davis was oh, somebody laid it out for me. Hey Derek David Derek Carr's agent laid it out for me. Right, exactly. I didn't know. All right, let's uh, let's let's wrap this up. We'll come back on Inside Black and go. We'll talk report cards, baby. Honor roll, Dean's list. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> 